Okay, you guys can take a seat if you haven't sat down yet. Um, I think everybody here knows me, but uh, my name's Jeff, obviously, and I'm the uh, one of the pastors at the church here. I uh, just want to go through uh, just what access is again. Give a little bit of a, a vision statement for everyone here and for anybody that might be listening uh, through the podcast app online. Um, access is really birthed out of an idea that we are, want to reach our community. We believe that the best decision... And we know, and I know this personally through my own experiences, that the best decision you can make in your whole life is to follow Jesus, is to subscribe to a Jesus-based life. It changes everything, and it was the best choice I've ever made, and that's why we do what we do, um, is that if people don't ha- understand that or haven't had the opportunity to experience that, it's our drive and our passion, of course, as, as believers of, in Jesus, to share that with people. And uh, we want to create this into a welcoming space and a space where people can feel comfortable to come and explore uh, some of the questions that they may have had or may not have been able to have answered around uh, what it means to be a Christian or go to church or be in a, a subscribed to a Jesus-based life. Because there's so much misinformation out there. I'm not going to throw around the term fake news, but uh, that's basically what it is. We look at how, how church is presented and, and the way that uh, the press gets a hold of all the negative stuff. Um, and sure, there's people that do a lot of bad things in the name of God, but those don't represent um, what we believe in the God that we subscribe to and believe in. Um, so for us here tonight, first of all, we're, we're, we're open to making this into whatever it needs to be. If you have ideas, if you'd like to be a part of this on a deeper level, or, or you have some ways that you think we could reach people, please talk to me, talk to us. We, we want this to be, this isn't what we want it to be. We want to be as efficient and uh, as uh, successful as possible in communicating the gospel to people. Um, so talk to us. And also, if you have a friend who, who would benefit from this, uh, at the back cafe there afterwards, we have these cards with our upcoming dates and, and topics on them. Um, we're going through the problem with church, uh, which sounds... Uh, adver- inherently negative, but it's not. There's so much negative stuff out there that people would say, this is the problem I have with church. Why wouldn't I go to church? This is, this is why. Here's my issues. Here's my roadblocks. And we're going through those and, and want to kind of break down the barriers that may have been built up over time. So grab one of these and give it to a friend, invite a friend. Um, if you're listening online, please share this with your friends if they would benefit from this or would, would be able to gain something from that. Um, so we look forward to that. Today, we're talking about irrelevancy and the church being not relevant with culture. And to be honest, like when, when you look at how church is presented through uh, media and in different elements of culture, I totally get it. They kind of show pictures of, of a brick church with an organ and an old lady playing it. And it's just, it's not what people normally would do in their regular life. And then some, some guy probably in his 80s gets up and monotone speaks. Um, and that's what I've seen in a lot of cartoons and I've seen a lot in just media is that this church is just a boring, stuffy place. It's not alive. It's not doing anything. It's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't have relevancy to my everyday life. Christianity itself isn't relevant. They show people um, saying things in the name of God that, that are hurtful and hateful because that's what we see on the news is all the negative stuff that gets out there. Well, the world is trying to move in a more, uh, as we talked about last week, an inclusive world. But they're trying to, to to show that the church is going in the opposite direction. There's no relevancy. What does what does Jesus have to do with anything? My life is going pretty good. Why would I give a care about what a God that may or may not exist has to say about my life? What's the benefit of that? 
Why would I care? How is it relevant? It just doesn't seem to connect with culture. It doesn't connect. There's a disconnecting point there. It doesn't make sense to people. It's not necessarily that they think it's bad for you to believe. A skeptic would say it's not bad that you believe in God, that you're a Christian, or that you go to church. But why would I need to come? Why would I engage in that? What's the point? And I think some of us would have a hard time uh, answering that. It'd be difficult, right? Like something's like if if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's really really difficult to explain to somebody that your own personal feelings. Think about it. If you're if you're married, if you've ever had a boyfriend or girlfriend, how do you explain the love you have for that other person in words? Try to verbalize it. Think about how you would say that. You can say, yeah, I, well, I love them. I can't imagine my life without them. My life wouldn't be the same without them. But how do you communicate that? What's the vernacular? How do I take something as deep as my relationship, my personal relationship with somebody, and turn it into an explained sentence paragraph? How do you take a deep relationship and make it into that? It's so difficult to explain that. And that's why it really becomes a, a point for us to try and have people have their own experience with God. And that's where we hope that access can be one of many access points that we can reach people with. But what is the point? Is the church completely irrelevant? Is there nothing? If a skeptical friend came up to you and said, well, what relevancy does a Jesus-based life or, or a church experience have to do with the world around us today? And that's what I want to look at today. And there's a couple points. And one is this. If you look through the Bible, and, and of course here at Eaglemont Church, we believe and, and know that the Bible is the Word of God, and it's, it's God speaking to his people, and it's the thing we can turn to. It's the foundation of our life because God wrote a book with wisdom and lessons and the way to live our life that will bring us closer to him and to be more like Jesus. So we turn to Scripture, and when we look at the Bible, it says more times than anything else, the number one theme in the Old Testament, first half of the Bible, and then New Testament, the second half of the Bible, after Jesus was born, it, one theme that it talks about more than any other in all sorts of different contexts is helping the poor and helping the weak. More than any other one. There's lots of other good stuff that's talked about lots, but the number one theme that's repeated over and over is helping poor people, people who are down and out, homeless, whatever it is. And I don't know if you know this about our culture today, but that's probably one of the biggest things you can find. Go anywhere in uh, social media, on your Twitter timeline, um, on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever it is. If you talk to especially young people, there's a huge movement around social justice. Now, we don't always accurately mobilize in the way that we should, but if you see something happens, if you any any uh, concept or anything that's happened around the world is shared, people start to share it on there or retweet it or repost it or you know, write hashtag pray for whatever place it happened in. People care. People like to rally around these ideas. So that's the first connecting point. If we know that culture says and that the world says social justice is a huge issue for us, and when we look at the upcoming generation, Generation Z, which is coming up under millennials, that the number, one of the number one things that they care about is the world around them and, and fixing some of the impoverished situ situations and stuff like that that are happening around the world. Let me give you an example of where this really connects to the heart of God. There's a verse in Matthew, which is the account of, of one of Jesus' friends, one of the disciples who lived every day with him. 
and it says that Jesus got up, and it's the most famous sermon, sermon or message, kind of like what I'm doing up here on stage today. The most famous message that Jesus ever did, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it said this, and these are also known in some contexts as the Beatitudes. God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. God blesses oh, for, for the kingdom in heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. He's talking in one context about that if you believe in Jesus and you're persecuted for it, then then you should be honored and it's an act of worship. But he also talks about how the heart of God is close to those who are meek, who are weary, who are broken. There's another verse in the Bible that talks about how if you have a heavy burden on your heart, Jesus wants you to, <clears throat> to take that and give it to him because he'll give you rest. There will be rest in that. And that's one of my favorite verses. If you're feeling like there's a weight on you, Jesus wants to take that weight off of you. Those Beatitudes um, are found in Matthew 5. So if you want to check those out, if you're listening online, you can find that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can always go onto any smartphone and uh, type in the Bible and get the Version app. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, the heart of the church is for people who are hurting. Not just in the sense of, like, we have a heart for it and we're like, oh, yeah, this is like, it really hurts. I, I hate to see that happen. When I drive by, you know, the wrong neck of the woods, it, I, it really bothers me that this is something that exists. Or when I hear that there's something going on around the world, it really bothers me. And I, it's at the heart of us as the church, as followers of Jesus. We, we don't like it. But to be, have something be at the heart of what you believe and the foundation of who you are as a movement, a church, which is what the church is. It's a movement, um, a community that God has to do. And in the Bible it says to be his hands and his feet to act out his his will in the world. We can't just have bad feelings or, or good intentions about what we see around us. When we see that God cares about the meek and, that, and the weary and the broken and the poor, we need to act accordingly. So when we see somebody in need, not just homeless, not just the, not just the extreme examples, but when we see somebody in our community, at our school, at our work, who's in a, who needs to be helped, talked to, maybe needs a grocery card, maybe needs someone to babysit for them, there's, or in a situation where their family is falling apart, or there's a divorce, or they just need a helping hand, that we step up, that the church steps up, that Christians step up in the name of Jesus, and we do that, and we make that situation better. You can't take the poor and the weak, and separate them from the heart of God. That's, that's God's passion, is that we as a church would be his hands and feet and would uh, alleviate suffering in the world around us. So that really connects with culture. Because I think we all know that that's something that is going on, and that is a big issue for, for people. And it should be. That's great. But the difference between the church and people sharing it on Facebook should be that we actually do something about it. And I know that we can't always go and be like, yep, yeah, I'm going to go fly to Africa where there was this 
you know, this disaster or around the world. But one of the things that we do do is we can pray. And a skeptic might say, well, that's, that's not enough. And you're right. We should do as much as we can, as far as we can physically reach. Maybe it's giving money to the Red Cross or whatever it is or to alleviating organizations. But we believe that God has power over everything, that God can, can, can fix situations, can step in. And we also believe and know that God will, uh, will act upon our requests at times when it falls into, uh, under his will. So we pray and we ask and we plead with God, step into that situation in all areas of life. So that being said, there's a few other areas as well that I want to talk about that being a Christian and actually subscribing to this does connect with culture. I want to tell you a quick story. There is no greater desire at the heart of who we are as human beings than to have community and be in relationship. I think that drives us in so many ways. We can look at, at why people do a lot of different things, and it's really rooted down into the need for relationship. That's why people get so caught up in, in this need and in, in wanting to be in a relationship, like a romantic relationship. You ever met somebody who's so desperate to be dating somebody that that consumes them? You know that all they're like, it's all they want. And they think, if I could just have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or get married, I'd be, my life would be perfect. Then I would be able to die happy because that's what I need. That's what I want. I know I've had a couple of friends like that. Now, I was going through a phase of time when I was probably around 19 years old or 20 years old where I had come to terms that I would never, ever get married. I'd had one girlfriend before. It didn't work out. Maybe I was like 22 now I think about it, but it was kind of like wasn't really getting a lot of dates at that time. Me and my friend Jordan, we, we just couldn't get a date, it seemed. And when we did, they were horrible. It just didn't work out. And I remember it had been an extraordinarily long amount of time before we'd had any success with the opposite gender. And I remember we were at Denny's and we're standing there and we're sitting there and we're, we're eating. It's probably one in the morning and we're complaining and we're just going on and on like, man, we're never going to be in a relationship. We're never going to get a girlfriend. We're going to be, we're going to be single until we're 50 and we'll be like cat men, you know, not like cat ladies, but like cat men. So maybe if there's cat ladies, maybe we're like iguana guys or something like that. Like we had a whole bunch of lizards. That's more what I would have been. This weird guy who has a bunch of snakes and lizards and something like that. Because I'm 50 years old and I'm single. And that was the trajectory of my life at that moment. And Jordan turned to me and said, what's wrong, Jeff? Why can't we get girlfriends? Why can't we get girlfriends? And I stopped. I just put my hand on the table. I looked up at him. I said, Jordan, maybe it's time to face the facts. I think we're ugly. And he looked, he's like, no, Jeff, we're, he got very angry. He's like, we're not ugly. No, we're not. I'm like, what if we are? Does anyone know they're ugly? It's kind of like when people have like a weird looking baby and everyone knows, but apparently them because it's theirs. Like, are we incapable of knowing that we are unattractive people? And he got very angry, very upset. But I think I placed a little seed of doubt into his heart that night. I don't think we were actually ugly. We're both married now. I think we turned out okay. But I remember this need for relationship. And that's really what one of the biggest things is. That's what drives human beings. And that's not a bad thing. That's one of the things that God designed us to have is this desire for relationship. We need relationship. And it's often the most bad situations we get into in life is because we forced that issue or we tried to seek that in the wrong way. 
find ourselves in the wrong relationship or, or feeling empty because we were just so desperate that we made bad decisions and tried to fast track that or, or, or just messed it all up. But there is a need, there is a desire for a relationship that God put in us so that we would find a spouse eventually, the right spouse and that person that we could be with for the rest of our life so that we could have good friendships so that when life falls apart around us as it tends to, we'd have people to help us. And, and that is so important. Let me tell you a stat I found, and this was really staggering for me. 25 to 30% of Canadians, this is from Stats Canada, 25 to 30% of Canadians say they reported persistent loneliness. There's been links between loneliness and depression and anxiety. That's not really a huge surprise. As well as cognitive decline in seniors. Over 40% of seniors would say they found themselves feeling chronic and crippling loneliness. That's one of the saddest things that I've ever heard. It's a cognitive decline and even crazier. The emotions and the feeling of not feeling connected and loneliness actually can have huge effects on your cardiovascular health and problems regulating diabetes, your, your glucose levels and your sugar levels. Your ability to, to just live and be healthy is connected to your feeling of being connected in community and valuable community. And at the heart of what the church is, that's what we are. That's what God placed, not, not just to go out and preach, not just to have a service, not just to have a cool stage or lights or whatever it is, or to have a, a, a carnival or whatever it is, the good stuff that we do in our community that we want to share the love of Jesus with people. But at the end of the day, Jesus said, we, you need to be my hands and feet. You need to be community. The church is set up to reach people and to have them feel connected to us, to God. We should be able to support each other. And that's what, what we bring to the table to culture more than anything. In a world where people increasingly are feeling um, connected in a way because of social media, but at the same time are feeling more disconnected than ever, which sounds like an oxymoron, but they can share more and they can see more and they can engage in more. But the amount of depth that's about as shallow as a shower, there's no depth to this relationship and not that social media is bad and not that we shouldn't be on it but there needs to be a place there needs to be something where we bring true community and friendship and relationship and can bring value and take away that loneliness for people the world is literally dying and and falling apart emotionally and and physically because they don't feel connected and all they need to know is that there's a church that wants to engage with them. There's a church that wants to show them the love that Jesus has for them, that wants them to come over to watch the Super Bowl, that wants them to come over to watch the Oilers lose, and they'll want to have everybody like just to hang out, be friends. Your, your, your marriage is falling apart? Well, we want to be, help you with that. You, you're going through depression? We want to help you with that. You just need someone to talk to. We want to be there for you. Just You have nothing to do on a Friday night. Well, come on out. We'll figure something out. Small groups, organized or not, whatever it is, community is the one thing that people are seeking more than anything else. And I can honestly say, without even feeling arrogant or cocky, we have the answer. We have the answer. If you're lonely, you need to just get more engaged in church. And I, I, don't, I can't speak for every church, but I know at Eaglemont Church there are tons of opportunities. There are people who are willing to just go for coffee, not just pastors who it's their job, but people who want to engage with you 
It might take emailing the church or phoning the office or talking to a pastor, but we can get you connected with like-minded people. It's not like we're going to put somebody who hates hockey and try to pair them up with people that are into water polo or something. Maybe that's a maybe that's a bad example, but maybe you're into dance. We're not going to say, well, you should hang out with this person who likes sports, right? There's The thing about having a big church is there's so many different different ideas and things that we like it's it's an array it's a, it's a collective and there's always people to connect with even if you don't share all their likes and the, everything that they value there's still community there so if you have a friend who's feeling depressed or lonely i'm not going to say that there's no like medical thing there or psychological thing there but i can tell you what a good start is to get them to come to church or just hang out with some of your church friends because there is so much value in the community that we can bring that's what we're here for. Love our community. And if you're a skeptic, if you're listening to this online, or, or, or maybe you have your own skepticisms here tonight, if you're a skeptic of what church is and that it has no relevancy or, or no value, it's actually probably the most needed thing in our, in our culture right now. It's the most relevant thing you could ever have. A Jesus-based life is the most valuable and relevant thing you could ever do with your entire life. And I'm not just saying that because it's what I believe or what I want. I've known it to be true because I've experienced it, and I've seen lots of people experience it. I don't believe in blind faith. I believe in faith, which is, which is just good reason based on prior experience. And that's what we all have when we believe in Jesus, when we experience him. So what, what is the application? If you need help, if you need community, come here. If you want to feel closer to the heart of God, come to church. And experience Jesus. If you're a Christian and you're not engaging in community enough, we need to do that more. And if you're not connecting with with uh, the heart of God in the sense of serving people that are in need, it's time to reevaluate how we express our faith. So, what does that mean for you this week, or this month, or whatever it is? Take some time to think about that. When you go home tonight. When was the last time I engaged in helping my neighbor? When was the last time that I brought true community to people that need it or I engaged in community and built up the community of church? How can I make someone's life better? Because that's the relevant part of what it means to be a Christian and to be a part of God's church. Let's pray. God, thank you that you built this church. Not just this building, not, not just Eaglemont Church, but you built the church. All of the world, all the churches in the world that make up one greater church. God, thank you that you love us enough to give us that, that community that you designed us for. That, that, that you made us this way so that we would want to be drawn towards church, towards community, towards reaching our community. God, we pray for people in need around the world. I pray that you would guide us um, to, to help situations, not to just sit back and, and uh, not engage in that, to not make the world a better place, God. God, I pray that we would be salt and light, just like the Bible says, that we would change the world, that we would brighten up dark places. God, I pray that we would just be uh, a church, as Eaglemont Church now, that, that goes out and uh, does incredible things. And for those that, that are skeptical, that might have heard this message um, in whatever capacity, God, I pray that you would help them to find that true community, to find the answers, and to continue to seek out um, anything that, and seek out what the, the questions are that they, they might have, and not to settle for anything less than the truth. Amen. So please uh, get an access card and, and hand them out to your friends. Um, if anyone's listening online or if there's any, anybody here tonight that needs this, uh, if, if something connected with you here, 
about what we're talking about. Uh, we want you to know more. We want to present the opportunity for you to begin your journey with Jesus and start that Jesus-based life. Um, so if, if you want to email the church or at uh, info at eaglemontchurch.ca or uh, you can come in on a Sunday. We're obviously, we're always uh, having a service every single Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. here at Eaglemont Church, um, and there's opportunities for that there as well. Um, or you can, uh, you can phone the church office as well. Check out our website at eaglemont.church, and uh, we'll hope to see you next time. Our next access is on March 23rd, and we'll be going over the, the problem with church of everybody's a hypocrite hypocrisy and, and the roadblock that that gets in people's minds and we want to break down those barriers as well so thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time